Praise the Lord for his goodness. I suppose that we all can look back in our lives and see areas where we would have made a different decision if given a second chance. I know that my mother-in-law always thought that if Linda were given a second chance, she would have made a different decision. I never agreed with that because the other boy she was dating was a loser. <laughs> but we all think that and we all need that. We're going to look at a passage of scripture today where Simon Peter was given a second chance. You recall that Jesus announced his impending death. As he did so, Simon Peter said, Lord, I am going to be committed to you. I'm going to be faithful to you. If everyone else falls away, you can count on me. I'm going to be faithful even to the point of death. It was later that Simon Peter denied the Lord three times. But the Lord in his grace gave him a second chance. One of my favorite scriptures is found in John chapter 21 beginning in verse number 1. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee and the son of Zebedee and two other of the disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. And they went out and got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus therefore said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll catch a, find a catch. They cast therefore, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. That disciple therefore, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. And so when they got out upon the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. Vince Gill sang, give me just one more last chance. And I suppose oftentimes we have said, Lord, just give me one more last chance. Because of failures, we don't do everything right and we need a second chance, uh, Probably my favorite chapter in the Bible is Hebrews chapter 11 because it lists all those people of faith. They are not there because they were perfect. They are not there because they made perfect decisions. They are there because they were people of faith. For instance, there was Noah. God said that he was going to send judgment on the earth. He instructed Noah to build an ark. At that time it had not rained, but in faith Noah built the ark. And as a result, he saved mankind. But then after the flood water subsided, we see Noah in a drunken condition. He wasn't perfect. Abraham, 
the father of our faith. He was a man who trusted in the Lord. And when God said, Abraham, I want you to leave everything that you have, everything that you know, and follow me to a land of promise, the Bible says that he did. But then when his life was threatened, he told his wife to lie. Say that you are my sister so that I will be spared. Jo Jacob, he was a deceiver who stole the birthright of his brother. Rahab, she was a prostitute. In Hebrews chapter 11, she was a prostitute. And we find her in the genealogy of Jesus. None of us has done it perfectly. None of us has done everything the way we would like to. For instance, we've made commitments, but sometimes we don't keep them. How many times have you made a commitment to God that you didn't keep? Lord, if you'll just get me through this, I'm going to start back to church. Lord, if you just help me, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray every day. Lord, if you just be with me here. But we would probably confess today that we have not kept all those commitments. To our spouse, we stand before the pastor and promise that we are committed to each other in good times and bad times. Till death do us part, and yet some would confess that I have not kept that commitment. When our children were born, we were going to raise perfect children. And it didn't turn out either. We have not kept that commitment. Little girl was sitting in her grandfather's lap. She sat there, she looked up at him, his face was wrinkled. She touched it. She said, Grandpa, did God make you? He said, yes, dear, long time ago. She sort of touched his face. And then after a while, she touched her own face. No wrinkles, smooth. She said, Grandpa, did God make me? He said, oh, yes, God made you not too long ago. She said, Grandpa, God must be getting better at it. We have kids, but they're not perfect, not even our grandkids. A little boy was praying, and he said, God, if you can't make me a better boy, that's okay. I'm having a good time anyway. <laughs> and in Sunday school, there was a little girl, and the teacher was teaching about, because they were going into worship service, and so she was trying to prepare them. She was telling them how important it was that they be quiet in church and so forth. And so she said, does anyone know why it's important to be quiet in church? Little girl lifted up her hands and she said, because the people are sleeping. <laughs> we fail to raise perfect children. We fail to be perfect parents. Why do we fail? Why? What happens? Well, a lot of times we get distracted by the world. You see, we get our eyes off the Lord. We get our eyes on the Lord. We are distracted by the world, by the things the world offers, by the things that we want from the world. And so we are distracted by the world, which is exactly what happened to Demas, who was a disciple with the Apostle Paul. So Paul says, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Folks, we get sidetracked because we become distracted by this world. And then we compromise our convictions. In the last church that I pastored, there was a man who belonged to the church. He was a good man. He was a businessman. He, 
but he was indicted for uh, embezzlement. I talked with him. I said, well, what happened? And he said, you know, he said, I got involved in gambling and I lost money. He said, I then took money from my business and gambled it thinking that I could make it up and put the money back. And he said, before I knew what had happened, he said, I had embezzled a million dollars. Folks, that happens to us. See, we get distracted by the world. We get caught up in the world and the things of the world. And when that happens, we compromise our convictions and then we make bad decisions. We all need a second chance because we don't do everything right. And in spite of our failure in God's grace, he gives us a second chance. Pete Rose said, if someone is gracious enough to give me a second chance, I'll not need a third one. I doubt it. The truth is he probably would. Peter failed, but the Lord gave him another chance. You'll see in verse number four, the scripture says, but when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. This is the third appearance of Jesus after his resurrection. He is on the beach and he is looking for his disciples. So he is going to meet them there. He's prepared breakfast for them in verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now here's what Jesus knew that Peter didn't. See, Peter had denied the Lord and he had been living with that denial. But the Lord knew that at this point he is going to meet with Peter and he is going to give him another chance. The Lord's like that. The Lord is so good and gracious to us. I am overwhelmed with his goodness. Mary and Martha were very close to Jesus. They were good friends of Jesus along with their brother Lazarus. Lazarus became ill so they sent word to Jesus to come and do something because their brother, the one that Jesus loved, was ill. The Bible says that he delayed in his coming and when he came, Lazarus had died. The two sisters blamed Jesus for it. Martha, in John chapter 11, it says, Martha therefore said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, you could have done something, but you didn't. And because you didn't do anything, my brother died. Mary said the same thing, John eleven thirty two. 32. When Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him, fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, this has happened, and you could have prevented it, and you didn't. So there was a little aggravation, at least, on the part of the sisters. You could have done something, but you didn't. So Jesus gave them another chance, John eleven thirty three. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. Jesus wept, and the Bible says that he raised Lazarus from the dead and gave them a second chance as a family. Abraham gave him a second chance. He had a child with Hagar. He lied about his wife. And yet the Bible says in James 2 verse 23, and he was called the friend of God. God gave him a second, he didn't do everything perfectly. So God gave him another chance. We also are given a 
Second chance, we deny the Lord like Simon Peter. There are those times when we have denied him, we've ignored him, we ignore his word, we ignore his church, we ignore his instructions, we reject him. But God in his grace, ladies and gentlemen, offers us another chance. I was brought up in a, in a Christian home, so I was taken to church all my life. When I got to be about 13, I stopped going to church. I got involved in, in the world and the things and, you know, with some kids and so forth, and so I stopped going. I didn't go back until I was about 25. And I've told you before, I went back because I thought my daughter needed to be in church. But I, I remember during that time when God began to, to deal in my heart, bring conviction to me, I remember the service. Where I went forward during the invitation, I fell on my knees before God and said, God, forgive me and restore me to fellowship. I want my life to matter for you. I'm so grateful that he did. God is so good in that he offers us a second chance, but there are conditions. I, we, we want the blessings of God, but sometimes we don't want the discipline of God. We want God's blessings, but sometimes we are not willing to do the things necessary to receive his blessings. So how do we get a second chance? How does it work? There are some of you here today and you desperately need a second chance with the Lord. Well, how does that work? Well, first of all, we must confront our failure. And that's what this passage of scripture is about. It is about Simon Peter having to confront the failure in his life and Jesus leads him to that. For instance, there was a fire where the confrontation took place, verse number 9. And so when they got out from the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. So the Bible says that this confrontation took place around a fire the thing that is interesting is that when Simon Peter denied the Lord, it took place around a fire. The Bible says in John 18, 18, now the slaves and the officers were standing there having made a charcoal fire for it was cold and they were warming themselves and Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. Now that's where Simon Peter denied the Lord. But Charcoal fire is used only twice in the Bible, both of them pertaining to Simon Peter. The first time it is used was when he denied the Lord. The second time it is used is when he was restored. I think that's the reason Jesus had the fire. It was to take him back. There, there's, a, there's another uh, reminder here. How many times did Peter deny the Lord? He denied the Lord three times. Jesus asked three questions. Verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Verse 16, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Verse 17, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He denied him three times. Three times Jesus asked the question, Peter, do you love me? Can you imagine the dagger that must have gone through the heart of Simon Peter at that time? 
Every time Jesus asked the question, Peter, do you love me? It reminded him of the statement he made when he said, I don't know the man. Do you love me? I don't know the man. Do you love me? I don't know the man. Do you love me? I don't know the man. Three times he denied him. There were three questions. The point that I would make, ladies and gentlemen, is that if we're going to receive a second chance of restoration, we have to always go back to the place of our sin and confront it. What, uh, if you're not where you should be with the Lord, what took you away? What took you away from God? Maybe it was a relationship. Sometimes that's what happens. We get involved with people who take us away from the Lord. And students, that's especially true. I've seen so many times students come up in the church and, and uh, they go to Bible study and do all those things. And then they go to college and they get in another group. And uh, that is the thing that takes them away from the Lord. Here's the point. You're going to have to deal with it. You've got to go back. So where did I leave the Lord? You have to go back. You always have to go back and confront it. Relationship. Maybe something happened in the church and that was the thing that took you away from the Lord. You have to deal with that. Maybe it's your business. Perhaps you have gotten so caught up in your business and, and the making of money and all the things that you have to do, paying the bills, all the things that you have to do, that that has in effect taken you away from the Lord. Then you have to deal with that. We have to confront our failures. And then we have to confess our failures, and we don't like to do that, do we? So because we don't like to do it, we lie about it. We don't like to confront our failures because we don't like to confront them, we lie about them. And we try to lie to other people about our failures. 1 John 1, 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and yet walk in darkness, we lie. If we say, we're talking to others, if we say, I have fellowship with him, but you're walking in darkness. Folks, you don't have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. When someone says, boy, yeah, the Lord and I, we're doing good. We're all right. We're cool. I have fellowship with him but you're walking in darkness, you lie. That's what John said. So we lie to others so that they will think that we're all right with the Lord. We lie to ourselves in 1 John 1, 8. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And then we lie to God. In 1 John 1, 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So we have to confront our failure, have to confront our Sin, we have to confess it because the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word that is used there means to say the same thing. Confess our sins to say the same thing. It means that I say the same thing about my sin that God said. We use a lot of euphemisms so we don't have to call what we do sin, but that's what God calls it. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
when we confront our sin, we confess our sin, then we are cleansed of our sin. And the cleansing that comes, first of all, is judicial. It means that God declares that we have been forgiven. It is also personal because then we feel like we have been forgiven. So our failure then can be conquered. If you look at verse number 15, so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. It's interesting when you read this because when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? The word that he uses is agape. It speaks of an unconditional love. Do you, do you have an unconditional love for me, Peter? When Peter answered, Lord, you know that I love you, the word he uses is phileo, which means I'm fond of you. Jesus said, do you love me unconditionally? He said, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. Verse number 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me, agape? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, phileo. And then in verse number 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me, phileo? Jesus changed his word. Peter, are you fond of me? Do you love me? And then he asks the question about the degree of his love in verse number 15. He says, more than these? Peter, do you love me more than these? More than these what? What's he speaking of? Well, it could be that he's speaking about the disciples because Simon Peter said, Lord, though everyone else leave you, not me. And so it could be that Jesus is saying, Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples? That's what he had said. Do you love me more than these, these other disciples? Or it could be his possessions. It might be that is what he is referring to, the nets, the boat, the business. Peter had gone back to his business. He'd gone back to fishing. And it could be that Jesus is saying, Peter, do you love me more than these things? Do you love me more than you love your business? We don't know. But that was the question that Jesus asked. And then there is a demonstration of love. You'll notice that he said, if you love me, what? Tend my sheep. You see, folks, we have some strange ideas about love. We think that love is, is a feeling. You know, that I just have this feeling. I love someone. I have this feeling. Love is active. It is not passive. A lot of times you don't have that feeling. I love my wife, but most of the time I don't feel anything about her. Now, that's not a bad thing I'm saying. The same thing your husband would say if he were honest about it. What is love? You want the best for the other person. I mean, that's the way that I understand love. I want the best for the one I love. I want them the best. Love is active. He said, if you love me, then tend my sheep. It is demanding because it requires action and it is personal. You'll see in verse number 20, Peter, so much like us, Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one also had leaned back on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, therefore, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, 
What about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Simon Peter's just like us. He says, Jesus, what about, old, what about John? What are you going to do with him? Jesus said, that's none of your business. Your only concern is that you follow me. Folks, what the Lord does with anybody else is not your business. You follow him. That's what he's saying. You follow him. We all need a second chance. We've all failed. We need a second chance. But the conditions of that is that we have to confront our failure. Where's our failure? We have to confront it. We have to confess our failure and then we can conquer our failure. I love the old invitational hymn, Take up thy cross and follow me, I heard my master say. I gave my life to ransom thee, surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Folks, you're not perfect, nor am I. But God is gracious and he is willing to restore you. Our Father in God, I come to you at this invitation time and I ask, Lord, for those who are struggling and I know that there will be those present who are struggling with sin, help them to deal with it today, not push it aside. But Lord, help them to deal with it so that they might have forgiveness and restored fellowship, a sense of purpose in their lives and the joy of the Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, your blessings upon this time in Christ's name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing. If you're here without Christ, I invite you to come receive him. You'll want to just come and kneel, dedicate a new year life to him. Do that. If you're looking for a church home, our doors open. Love to have you. Stand with me, please, as we stand and sing, You Come. I'll greet you as you do.
Mark Hendrick, stand Mark. He was recognized as one of the 10 outstanding young alumni of Clemson University during homecoming ceremonies at the Clemson Wake Forest football game last weekend. Mark, we are very proud of you. I'm going to read this statement. Last fall, First Baptist Church became aware of allegations of inappropriate conduct by an unpaid volunteer in the student ministries department. As church policy dictates, the appropriate committee investigated. The committee concluded the volunteer violated church policies. Disciplinary action was taken. The volunteer no longer attends First Baptist and was prohibited from further contact with our students. The student making the allegations filed a lawsuit Tuesday. Additionally, First Baptist Church respects the privacies of the parties involved in the cases arising from the John Hubner incident of 2002. Even so, First Baptist Church does not oppose unsealing those cases. Our attorneys have advised us to make no further comments, but I do want to say this. This statement will be on our website and today, in, uh, and, and you, can, you can look it up if you, if you like, but today in my Bible readings, uh, and it seems to me that the Word of God becomes so fresh to me and, and uh, pointed to me during such times. But I was reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 11, and I want to leave you with this today. Paul wrote, finally, brethren, rejoice. Be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This morning, Eric called me in to pray with me and uh, as he does every Sunday and talk to me. And he was asking about this and I said, you know, Eric, there are some things that we believe theologically. And when we go through the difficult times, they are confirmed experientially. When you go through the difficult times, you realize what I've been preaching is true. God is good. God is sufficient. God is strong. I want that for you. May the Lord give you peace. And may the Lord give us wisdom. And may the Lord give us courage in the days ahead. Stand with me and we'll be dismissed.